HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by Firesider, a health tonic based on the traditional New England cure-all of raw apple cider vinegar and honey. For more information, visit firesider.com. I'm Chris Kuzmi. And I'm Mary Izette. From Fomenta Valley. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll load. Knows that country music's gonna save your soul. The devil the rhythm and blues that sound. It's gonna get you some. All right. Welcome back to the Speakeasy. I'm your host, David Bolte, and today with me again is Souther Teague. Welcome back to the show, Souther Teague. Hey, happy to be here. Yeah, mm. glad to have you. This is fun. I like having you co-host with me, man. Hey, thank you. It's really great. It's a beautiful day in Brooklyn, and but don't tell Brendan's wife. <laughs> <laughs> today we have Brendan McCarran from Ardbeg Scotch. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Good to be here. We also have David. He's here. He's the uh, global uh, ambassador for Ardbeg. Welcome as well. Great. Thanks you guys, to be here. It's great to have you here. It's funny to me because like we were just having lunch and you guys are like like wearing like your your wool tartan ties for art bag and it's like 90 degrees. it's like the first like yeah. hot day 92 in brooklyn. degrees yeah. in brooklyn today it's 95 degrees i have pasty white skin freckles <laughs> and a wool tie it's, it's not a great look uh, it, well you know it is a good look it is it's fine you're doing great man um so yeah welcome to the show guys um really excited to have you here because I, I you know i uh I've ran into David a couple times. Uh, we just met David, but uh, I've always been a huge fan of well, Isla Scotches in general, but specifically Ardbeg. I, I love Ardbeg. So like, I'm really excited to get into the show and learn about it. I think Souther's also... You know, Massive Scotch fan, yeah. yeah. My family's Scottish, so happy to happy to be tasting some Scotch whiskey today. Yeah, man. So mm-hmm. yeah, let's get into it. So, Brent, why don't you tell me about your, uh, your position over there at Ardbeg? Yeah, so um, I guess I've worked in the industry for 10 years. I used to work for Diageo, so I've done everything from working on brand new distilleries. I've worked in maltings. Uh, I've also worked at distilleries. I was a manager of Oban Distillery for a few years, which was awesome. But then I got moved. I got told, we're giving you a a new job, a new challenge. And I was like, this sounds amazing. And they said, we're going to move you to Isla. 
um, as a single guy as I was at the time it sounded pretty challenging you know, to <laughs> move to a tiny little island in the middle of the ocean in between Scotland and Ireland on my own uh, so I'm not ashamed to say I was a little bit nervous about moving there uh, but I went there and I, I looked after Port Ellen Maltings which makes the massively smoky barley for the distilleries and that's where this distinctive Isla Scotch flavour comes from and I also looked after Lagavulin and Kalila and in those three years, like Isla gets under your skin. You know, some of my best friends are from Isla. I go back to Isla as much as I can. But like you, I had this real kind. I was really drawn to Ardbeg, and I got to know the team there really well from selling and providing them with their highly phenolic malted barley. But it just gets under your skin. I, I ran that Isla half marathon, for example, and only on Isla can you run 13.1 miles on quite a warm day. Show up exhausted, and at the finish line, you're met by Mickey Heads, the distillery manager of Ardbeg, who gives you an Ardbeg 10 to <laughs> rehydrate. I mean, awesome. that is the best, best single dram of whiskey I have had in my entire life. I didn't run the recent Brooklyn half marathon, but I, I probably finished it with an Ardbeg. <laughs> um, so, so let's talk about Isla Scotch for our listeners. Like, it, it's, it's. Extremely iconic, and it's super specific to the island and the style. Like, big, big, peaty, smoky, salty, briny, you know, mm. beautiful whiskeys. Um, that, you know, with the with the different regions of, uh, of Scotch whiskeys, you've got... I mean, like you were saying, like, you also work with Glimmerangie, yep. which is island. And, you know, you've got a pretty massively different style of whiskey that, between those two. Um, to me, Isla is kind of like the like Isla Scotch is kind of like the mezcal of 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 Scotch whiskey. <laughs> you know, just be, based on the fact that it's like smoky and salty. Um, what got you? Uh, what what got this style of whiskey started originally? Like compared to like Highland or Speyside or yeah, well. So my role, what you said, is working with Glenmorangie and Ardbeg, and I kind of get to be involved in every single stage, from buying the raw materials, working with the distilleries, checking the batches of spirit that they make. And you're absolutely right, Scotch whisky alone has this kind of massive following, and it kind of gets under people's skin. It can always be like cultish, you know, people yeah, get obsessed sure. with a certain distillery. Glenmorangie absolutely has that and so do many Highland whiskies. but it's for their subtlety, for their softness mm -hmm. for this real complexity that they have but when you go to Isla I would say that the first thing what makes Isla whiskies Isla whiskies is hundreds of years ago the fuel source on Isla was peat mm -hmm. and when you burnt peat because there's not many trees on Isla it's quite a, it's quite a shallow island it's not very mountainous there's lots of wind you don't grow many trees and it has lots of bogs out of which you get lots of peat for heat and it was just simply the fact that you needed heat to dry barley to make whiskey so it was just born out of necessity it was born out of necessity yeah yeah and there was just this real luck that Isla was big for making whiskey another reason for doing it on an island back when it was illegal if you didn't want to pay tax doing it in a tiny little island in the middle of the ocean was a good place to hide out, you know? <laughs> kind of like a pirate hangout. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then they had the peat, which again was fortuitous, but people started to notice this imparts a different flavour and a, a big, smoky, uh, you know, smoke-forward but other flavoured type of whisky. And then I'd say Ardbeg, out of all Isla Scotch malts, I think it really epitomises that huge, big, smoky flavour 
but it's also fermented and the distillery is set up in such a way that you have all this complexity underneath you know you can get some lime fruits and sea air and there's just a whole lot of things to discover after that big smoky first hit it feels like like it feels very like culinary to me like i mean it comes across as like almost like a it's like kind of meaty sometimes you know like you were saying before the show even like one of them can kind of get like kind of like a maple bacon kind yeah. of thing you yeah know? yeah it's um, got caramelization which gives you that sort of mapley note that mm-hmm. smoky note you know we were talking at lunch as well about how japan is making a lot of whiskeys now and and like it's a common pairing to pair you know scotch style whiskeys and scotch whiskeys with raw seafood for that briny note as well yeah yeah so, so i think our bag is it goes really well with seafood because like all sort of heavily smoked if you like pt smoky whiskeys they have certain maritime notes you know sea air like standing on the beach out at the water when the spray is getting sold up you get lots of these maritime notes you get some iodine and uh, medicinal flavors and then when you mature a really smoky Ardbeg in Oloroso casks the ex-Oloroso sherry cask it kind of sweetens off the smoke and you pick up like smoked bacon all kind of barbecue flavors and we're going to taste a very special Ardbeg later on, which I'll not reveal just yet, but you'll pick up even <laughs> well, t- more barbecue notes out of that and <clears throat> but smoked it's, grilled meats. It's great that you're here today to do this, too, because today is actually Ardbeg Day, which is awesome. Good timing. I mean, t- I mean it's, yeah. it what would have been Ardbeg Day for us anyway, but it's actually Ardbeg Day. <laughs> um, so why don't we get into like the, the actual different expressions? Like The Ardbeg 10 is like the, the one that we've known. This... I, you know what, actually, because like, there's several of us in here that are like bartenders, what do you guys think about, I, I'd like to get uh, the the people behind the whiskeys and the different spirits that like we talked about on the show, like, it seems to me like like this, like I said before, is kind of like a, a, a culinary technique, like like the smoking of the peat, or like the, the burning of the peat to smoke the, the malt, and there's a lot of work that goes into that mm-hmm. afterwards with the aging. What's your take on using uh, these products in cocktails? Uh, it's a really good question. About uh, five years ago or something, this is back in the UK where the cocktail culture is getting big now, but it's probably catching up a little bit, so maybe 10 years ago. I figured people started to try and make uh, malt whiskey cocktails, but most of the time it was not necessarily distincting which single malt they were using to make a cocktail. They were just finding a cocktail substituting out, say, rum or gin and just replacing it with any single malt scotch. And so they weren't that good. But these days, people's skills, I mean, talent like mixologists and cocktail makers have is incredible, and they're actually tasting single malts and working out, okay, so this is our big 10. It's big, smoky, mature the next bourbon, has tiny little bits of fruit sitting underneath, and they're actually making a cocktail to match up to that whiskey. So that kind of thing, I think, is just incredible, and it's really exciting. I think the only time I'm nervous about cocktails is when it's just take a generic cocktail and put just swap any it single yeah. malt and just swap it out. The yeah. ones mixed results. Yeah. But no, I'm really excited. Some of the cocktails I've been tasting this week, you know, it's, it's a hard job I have to go around to tasting <laughs> cocktails, but <laughs> some of them have been just incredible. I think really incredible. especially with a with a whiskey like Arctic 10, you really, you can't just swap it out. Like, you, it has to be a... a, a a very like extreme highlight of the the mix in the cocktail. Like it, yeah. you have to play off of the the art bag much more than you would with you know yeah it, with like a space side whiskey or a blend side. Yeah. yeah, because of that huge smoke. If you're not careful, a lot of times I've noticed 
the whiskey still tastes very good, but sorry, the cocktails still taste very good, but because there's huge smoke, if you're not careful, it can almost have like a gasoline, you know, almost like a, an oily, petrol, yeah. petrol nose. So the nose isn't great. It still tastes okay, but you, you don't want to really be smelling that. And that's when you're just yep. straight substituting one for the other. And a lot of time, care and attention went into making our Big Ten, as, as with lots of other spirits. But it's great when people actually take the time to look at what it's made up of and what it can work with. Yeah. And some of the cocktails are just incredible. So the first time I had our Big what, what was Actually, it was probably what, about 10 years ago. I was working at a shop called Linnell's, like we were talking about before. Uh, and that's where I was first turned on to it. And everything about it to me was just like, this is fucking badass, man. Because, like, the black <laughs> label and just, like, super smoky. And, uh, like, I, I, I was just kind of, like, working into the cocktail world then. So I definitely... You know, it started with some of those things, like doing a Rob Roy, but yep. then realizing, like, uh, you know what, man, I I really like this. It's just like a really simple, like, scotch and soda with a little bit of lemon. Just yeah. just that, you know, simple. Because I wanted, it was the first scotch that I had where I was like, I had like a, an eye-opening moment with it where I had like this different respect for scotch whiskey at that point. And because before that, I'd had like... You know, the Johnny Walker Blue was like, you know, like, that kind of stuff. I came from Oklahoma, so yeah. it was like, you know, like, <laughs> we didn't really, like, get a lot of uh, scotch uh, hype there. Um, there were a couple of, like, scotch bars, but it wasn't really, there wasn't really the information there. Well, I mm-hmm. think still today, scotch is a very polarizing spirit in America. You know, it's, uh, people are, uh, I don't want to use the word afraid, but a little bit timid to walk into the scotch waters because they, they think of them as big and bold and peaty and maybe too much for them. Um, you know, there's certainly a gradation that you, I think, as a bartender at my bar, I need to step people up the ladder before I, you know, attack them with something huge. How do you, Souther? How do you show off these kinds of whiskeys to your guests? Um, well, as I just mentioned, I, I, you know, I kind of generally start people, you know, I, I, with but, a conversation. Same place I start with any drink, frankly. Yeah. I start with a conversation, and that, that conversation, uh, particularly to Scotch, says I ask questions like, "What is your experience with Scotch? What Scotches do you know?" And then based on their answers I can drive them down a road towards a scotch that they might like or that they've never had or maybe introduce them to something that they would be interested in are, and, are and you a cocktail first person or like a I'm, straight first I'm always like, spirit first person um, you know even at Amore we have a rule where we, we I think I've mentioned this to you before anytime we get a hold of a new product on our bar we don't we don't make cocktails with it right away for people as a team and there's only four of us on the team but as a team we drink two bottles uh, and take notes and pass notes around um, because my theory is two we, bottles each, or two, <laughs> if we're lucky, sounds like um, a good day. And then you try to write, and you can't even read it. Right, uh, not all in one sitting. Um, notes. We take we we drink as a team two bottles of, of stuff first. Uh, you know, and the the bottom line theory of that is if I if I've never tasted chicken, how can I make chicken soup? So first we understand what the chicken is, then we can make soup. So when people are interested in things like this, I generally start them with straight spirits and then ladder them up and then. We can pepper that conversation with a cocktail or two, um, you know, and then of course invite them back for for further learning. Yeah. What about so, Brandon? Do you, do you prefer? Because I always have to ask this question too. Anytime I have a whiskey producer come in, do you do you like to have whiskey with a little water or on the rocks? Because I had Richard Patterson in here uh, from the uh, Delmore, uh-huh. and uh, he told me that he was like, all right, yeah, here's what. You know, people like to put water in their whiskey. Yeah, that's okay. 
and then they like to put ice in it, and that's okay too. But here's what I would do with that, and he threw it all over this window and all over the microphones. Yeah, <laughs> and made a total scene out of it. <laughs> but I mean, like, this is radio, not TV. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not as impactful to the guest, <laughs> to, the li- to the listener. <laughs> no, you could hear it. Good yeah. chance of getting electrocuted as well. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, 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 it depends on the whiskey. It depends on the whiskey. It depends on the mood you're in. It depends on your taste buds. It depends on what you like. So I, I think if people want to taste a whiskey, the one thing I'd say, if you're tasting a whiskey for the first time ever, you've never tasted this whiskey before, try it as it is. Take yeah. it neat. Even if you, every whiskey you've ever had in your entire life, you like to add water to it, try this one neat. Sure. This might be the one that you like as it is. And then if you want, add water, add it sparingly. You know, you can always add some more. You can never yeah. take any out. And if you're using ice, the one thing I would say about adding ice, I'm not a huge fan of putting ice in my whiskeys. Uh, unless I'm making a cocktail if I'm having just just the whiskey if you're going to add ice try and find these big ice cubes huge ice cubes going to melt slowly if you put lots of little small bits of ice in it's constantly melting it's therefore also losing it's it's dropping in temperature and it's diluting at the same time so every single sip you have the flavour's changing but no not to disagree with Richard but well I am actually disagreeing with him I'd, I'd, (laughs) (laughs) I'd say I prefer to change it based on what whiskey I have sure and say that say 80% roughly you know pulling a number out uh, about 80% of whiskeys I have neat that tends yeah. to be yeah. the way that. but that's just how I like them well you know what but man James Joyce told us never never water another man's whiskey yeah <laughs> <So> <laughs> totally. leave, it, leave it to the drinker I suppose yeah. <laughs> well we, we should start tasting some whiskey but before we do that let's take a quick break and when we get back we'll continue talking about our big scotch with my boys from Scotland alright back in just a moment <laughs> yeah Today's program was brought to you by Fire Cider. Did your grandmother ever tell you to drink raw apple cider vinegar? It's good advice and more common than you may think. For generations of New Englanders, a tot of vinegar was a morning ritual. Taken daily, a tablespoon of unfiltered apple cider vinegar can help support immune function and digestive functions. To the base of certified organic apple cider vinegar, Fire Cider added whole, raw, certified organic oranges, lemons, onions, ginger, horseradish, habanero pepper, garlic, and turmeric. They let this mixture steep for six weeks at room temperature to preserve the living vinegar culture and delicate flavors of the ingredients. Lastly, they blend a generous helping of raw wildflower honey into the mix. The result is potent but balanced, offering layers of sweet, tart, and spice. Fire cider tastes great on its own or as an addition to tea, juice, or salad. Fire cider ships direct from their online store and is available at over 500 locations nationwide. Use their store locator to find one near you and ask for a free sample. For more information, visit firesider.com. We are back. You're listening to the Speakeasy on Heritage Radio Network, and we've been talking about Ardbeg. Brandon, we uh, we talked a little bit about the the 
kind of origins of uh, Isle of Scotch. Let's talk about uh, let's talk about the tin, and then like let's taste some, man. Yeah. So our big kind of checkered history, you know, two hundred years ago, two hundred one years, it's been running, but it's opened and closed several times. And in fact, in the nineties, it, it almost disappeared off the the map. It almost oh, really? stopped being produced. I didn't. I didn't realize it. Yeah, yeah it was nineteen eighties. It produced pretty much zero spirit. In the nineteen nineties, it was producing little batches here and there. In the early nineties, but by I don't know ninety four, ninety five, it was pretty much just just shut. And we, Glenmorangie Company, purchased the distillery in nineteen ninety seven. And since then, we've kind of restored it to its glory, and we've tried to build up the stock and bring back the spirits. But for that reason, we don't have that much stock. So we only have three core expressions, and we can't really do much more than that because, you know, we've only really been running it since 1997. The most important one to create was the iconic Ardbeg 10. Without Ardbeg 10, you don't really have Ardbeg, you know, and that's that's probably, in fact, not probably, that is my favourite expression of Ardbeg. So Ardbeg 10 is a big, smoky, new-make spirit with some fruitiness underneath from the way we ferment it. And then what we do is we mature it in ex-bourbon casks for 10 years. What we're trying to do here is we use some first fill, we use some second fill, we use some refill. We're not wanting too much woody flavour in this. We're just trying to round off the immature edges. But what we're trying to make is just all that isla spirit, that fact that this is by the sea. Uh, the big smoke that we've put on the malt uh, as I just knock the microphone off the stand there. <laughs> um, we're just trying to keep all that raw distillery spirit alive in the cask. We don't want to drown it with anything else, but we want to just add little bits of complexity. So yeah, our big 10 is just that raw spirit, 10 years in ex-bourbon casks. It's bottled at 46%, non-chill filtered. And uh, yeah, it's, I'd, I'd say it's the most iconic expression. It's the best uh, definition of what our big stands for. Right. But then after that, what we do is after launching our big 10 it was you know hugely well received when we brought this brand back from you know almost disappearing this distillery back and it was launched it, it won world whiskey of the year in the whiskey bible and the year after it won that Ugadal, which had been launched is our second expression Ugadal is the name of our water source at our big it's about three about a three mile hike from the distillery up in the hills and loch Ugadal, it means deep and mysterious place and we wanted to make a, a, a an Ardbeg expression worthy of carrying the name of our water source because without that water source, we can't make Ardbeg. And this one, which we're just tasting now... Yeah. Cheers. Yeah, cheers, Slange. Boom, Slange. Slange it. Man, the studio smells pretty badass right now. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, between the sweatiness... It's like it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd love to see this as my first time in a small room with a lot of sweaty men drinking <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's happened before. Um, and ha- hello Sweat to my wife. Large. <laughs> um, yeah, Ugadal, what we do is we mature in two different casks from the raw spirit. Some 50% of it's put into ex-bourbon casks and 50% of the raw spirit's put into ex-Oloroso sherry casks. They are matured side by side and then when the ma- maturation has you know, had its effect, they're brought together in pretty much a 50-50 ratio. And that's what makes Ugadal. It's bottled at 54.2%. Which normally I'd say, when you're up in the 50s, you know, that's too high an alcoholic concentration for me and I would normally add water, but I try this, please try this right as it is. Yeah, I think it, it has that structure and it holds together. Yeah, it's it's totally, you wouldn't, I, I mean, like, tasting mm. this, you know, it's, I, I, it doesn't really come across as being 108 proof, 108.4 no, proof. Wouldn't, wouldn't have guessed that. Yeah, it's, and it's really cool. I mean, like, actually, it's probably like some of the sweetness, the residual, uh, residual, 
Like yep. you're it's the sherry effect. The, 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 what's, like, what's leached into the sherry cask is what you're picking up. I think it's really interesting too, man. Like we we've talked about uh, before on the show too. It's the uh, it's not necessarily about like aging for you know forty years. There's some really amazing. I love. I mean, I love sherry on its mm-hmm. own too. Yep. Like, but uh, there's so many. They, they just work so well together in so many yeah. different expressions. The, you know? the, the big thing we're looking for, like I say, we approve every batch and. You always compare it to a previous batch that you know was just perfect. And what we're always looking for, the right amount of sherry cask and bourbon cask balance, is when you get this smoky bacon kind of note to it, this lovely, crisp, smoked bacon, maybe maple syrup, sort of all sort of barbecue meat. Yeah. yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 54.2, that's a big breakfast. But yeah. it's going to get all the listeners the best noise in whiskey. Oh, yes. Oh, nice. So, moving on, um, like I say, we don't have much stock, so we can only really do three expressions of our big. And this one is our kind of, you know, our biggest, our wildest, our most untamed, and we call it our big Cory Vrakin. The reason we call it Arbeg Cory Vrecken is the Cory Vrecken is a whirlpool that exists just off the coast of Isla. This is a genuinely true, naturally occurring wa- uh, waterfall, uh, whirlpool, sorry. So if you've got a whirlpool, something that's big, wild, dangerous, we thought if we're going to call an Arbeg Cory Vrecken, we need to make a big, wild, untamed flavour experience. And that's what you've got in your glass right now. Oh yeah, man. Whoa. Whoa. So this one I should have said before you took your first drink. This is bottled at fifty-seven point one, so it's big, sure big in ABV. Yeah, <laughs> a little more heat on it. Yeah, and it's it's matured. We use French oak casks for this. So why do we use a French oak cask? American oak is used in the majority for a reason. It's got huge amounts of vanilla in it yep. and huge amounts of honey. French oak has a sixth or a seventh of the amount, so far less of those vanilla and honey flavors. Really bright and sharp, you know. Yeah. But it's, it's it's but like. But it's it's got that uh, like lightness to it at the same time, you know. But yeah. it's, it's like smoky and light, but sure, it's like yeah. really cool, man. I feel like the previous one tasted more like smoked bacon, whereas this one has that cured bacon effect, that mm, saltiness sure. on the backside of your palate. That's like the other great thing you get from the French oak is full of tannins because it's not got this vanilla and something else yeah. has to be. Lots of tannins gives you huge structure. You also get lots of herbal notes. It's almost like rosemary, dried rosemary has been dipped in the whiskey. You get lots of licorice and fennel and fennel seeds. And they're kind of wrapping it up and holding it together, with, which is undoubtedly the biggest amount of smoke because of the high alcohol level. If you put a few drops of water in this one, it's almost like throwing a bucket of water on a fire. You know, it just makes the smoke just fly out sure. of it. You know, it really opens it up and you get that huge smoky and almost like coal tar kind of notes to it. Sure. It's a great whiskey. The, the batch is a Cory Vrecken right now. I just I love being able to drink this. It's just a really, really great example of what Ardbeg has to offer. It's very cool, man. Super do, delicious. Do you, like, in uh, Michael Jackson's book, the whiskey, like... Not the pop the, star. Yeah, <laughs> not the pop star. <laughs> not the guy that I was in a cabin with last. <laughs> oh, we... <laughs> never, sailing never, course to the wind here. Neverland Ranch. Um... <laughs> um but in this book, he talked. There's like a whole section on heather, and I was just thinking, like some some of these uh, kind of floral, kind of like herbaceous notes that come through with Ardbeg. Do you attribute to? Do you attribute those to something like with the heather that's in the the peat bogs? Mm, I I personally or, don't know. You know, no. I think I think it, there is a definite sense of place, and you can't make Ardbeg anywhere else in the world. You know, you can't just take it and put it somewhere else. Yeah. 
But that, that, that sort of heathery, herbal thing, I think, is created during fermentation. It's, it's the, the quality of the products we have, and of course, the people who know how to translate that barley with Lokugadal's water into beer to then be distilled. But I think that's where the flavours are created. Some of it does come from the peat, and then the real herbalness in Corivrekanang gets accentuated and lifted by maturing in French oak casks and maturing for the right amount of time to allow it to form and get bigger and come through. That's really interesting, just the, the difference in those two, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's, it's harder to do with our big. So Glenmorangie, or sister distillery, it's a light, soft, elegant spirit, and it's brilliant. It's, you know, you've got a canvas, you can paint different colours with quite easily. Casks will pick up big differences. Our big, they're all big and smoky, but there's no denying that there's real points of difference in each of the whiskies, and that's, that's, why, we, that's why this is our core range and why we love them. So cool, man. All right, dude, let's move on to the fourth one. Yeah, we're kind of flying through the whiskeys here, but this is the one that I really want to talk about. That's how I always drink whiskey. (laughs) This is not normal for you? Yeah, I can't possibly (laughs) comment, but yes, yeah, that's how I drink whiskey. Drink responsibly. (laughs) We'll we'll have that conversation with legal after this. This is that every year on Isla, first of all, before I even talk about Arbeg, there's this thing called the Fesh Isla, which means the festival of Isla. It's a week-long festival to celebrate... Isla life, you know, everything about Isla. Now, there's seven days in this festival, and for a long time, there's now eight, but for a long time there was seven distilleries on Isla. And so it became a thing for each distillery to have a day in the festival. Unsurprisingly, the last day of the festival at Ardbeg became known as Ardbeg Day. And it's a big thing. Isla has 3,400 people living on it. It used to have 3,401, but I've since moved away. <laughs> um... But during the phase, I mean, I think like 30,000 people come to the island at least. So the, the, the island just takes over. Population. Yeah, I went in my back garden once and some tourists had set up tents in my back garden, which which was fine, but literally anywhere that they can find place to stay, they do. So it's like Burning Man of <laughs> Scotland. <laughs> um, but what happens is you, you can't possibly get everyone who wants to come to Ardbeg on Ardbeg Day there. So what we've started is we're taking our big day to the world, so we get to go to different locations. I pulled, you know, very much the the, the long straw, and I got sent to New York City. So that's why I'm in Brooklyn <laughs> right now to launch the new our big. Because what we do on our big day, we have hardly any stock. As I've said, this distillery is we only purchased it in '97 and saved it from disappearing. But we keep back some stock and try to make something different, something innovative, something that offers something special. And that's for the Ardbeg committee members, and it's for all fans of Ardbeg. And this year, what we have is Ardbeg Dark Cove, which we're just about to taste together right mm-hmm. now. I'm really excited. Yeah, right so, Flange. Dark Cove. Yeah, so, called Dark Cove. Yeah. It's kind of it's looking back to the, the, the old days of where distilling really kicked off in Iowa. Lots of smuggling, lots of things going into and off of the island at night when the taxman wasn't looking. And I guess the other inspiration for it is we just tried Ardbeg, well, we looked at Ardbeg 10, and it's a very light spirit. And normally on a whiskey tasting, I'd say the colour will give away a lot of the flavours that you'll expect. Ardbeg 10 is like a paradox. It's really light in colour, but it's huge, big, and smoky. And we often get asked, why is that? And we don't really know. You know, we're never going to find out for sure. I guess it's probably, I think it's because the new mix spirit is just so robust and so big that it doesn't take on as much flavour as other whiskies would. But what they then tried to do is, let's make the darkest Ardbeg ever. And we figured the best way to do that is we'll mature it in cherry casks. You get a lot of colour from those casks. But instead of using Oloroso, let's use Pedro Jimenez, a really dark, sticky, almost treacle-like sherry. 
And we spoke to a supplier and my boss, Dr Bill, who's the guy who's responsible for everything that we do, and he's training me up uh, at some point in the future to take over. Um, he was talking to his supplier saying, this is what I'm trying to do. And it was just a chance, last-minute conversation. The guy says, yeah, that sounds like a great idea. I think that'll work. He says, of course, the other thing you could use is black sherry. What's that? Uh, that that's what we said. <laughs> we had absolutely no idea. But we bought every cask of it that he had over the series of years. And we were like, what is this stuff that we're... And it was when he said, he says, black sherry is rich, powerful, and intense. And we were thinking, well, we know a, a whiskey that's rich, powerful, and intense. Yeah. It's our big. So this sounds like a, you know, a marriage made in heaven. So we bought all the casks, and black sherry is made similar to Pedro Jimenez in that you let the grapes dry in the sun, drives off some water, concentrates up the sugar, mm-hmm. and then you squeeze the grape juice. Now, for Pedro Jimenez, at this stage, you would add yeast and fortify and make a sherry. But with black sherry, they actually take the grape juice, put it in a pot, add a little gentle heat, and drive off even more water. So you're reducing down. down. Wow. Yeah, you're reducing down, making it stickier, more syrupy massively increasing the sugar concentration in the sherry and then you add yeast and you fortify the same way you would make any sherry and that's how you make this black sherry and the guy that we got these casts from he makes it for two people and two people only it's almost it's almost something he just kept going because he used to do it as opposed to a just a lost art yeah big in the late 1800s by the early 1920s pretty much died off because it was expensive it was required a lot of skill and it's pretty complicated so people just stopped doing it but we were lucky we almost didn't realise just how lucky we'd been until we started drawing samples of this black sherry cask with our bag in it and it was just incredible wow. now we wanted to just take those casks and bottle it and make the darkest our bag ever because this stuff was really dark and really sticky and really big but if anything the balance was wrong there was too much sherry flavour you couldn't truly say that you were picking up the Ardbeg notes. So what we did is we used it as the heart of this new Ardbeg Dark Cove and we married it together with Ardbeg and ex-bourbon, which is kind of like our, I don't know, our house style, you know. That's the way that we know Ardbeg works. So we married the two together and that's then been put into into a vat, lit, lit, giving it a little bit of time to knit together and then we bottled it and it's here now to launch Ardbeg Day and it's Ardbeg Dark Cove. It's amazing, man. It this is, is so good. Like, really delicious. It's it, it, You definitely know you're drinking a whiskey, right? I mean, like, it, it definitely lets you know. You know what? It so, There's so many bad, just badass things about Ardbeg. I mean, first of all, first you revived the distillery. Then you revived the use of black sherry casks. And then you also my, one of my favorite things to do is fit like equal parts in a cocktail so I like, I like that you've got some 50-50 action going here too um, so this is being you have a, an event at Astor Center tonight where you're showing this off for the first time yes correct yeah yeah but then it's actually going to be released this Saturday yeah so the official end of the fish and Ardbeg day is Saturday um, we're having the event tonight just you know because that, that just made the most sense and it launches on Saturday, but it will hit the shelves. This is where I, I just make the whiskey. I have no commercial sense whatsoever. So, David? Ju- July 1. Uh, June 1, sorry. June 1. June 1. July 1. June 1. Do, yes. Don't do. Don't tease us like <laughs> don't that. Don't do man. that to you. <laughs> June 1. Yeah. Cool, man. Well, I guess. I, I, this I, I, is delicious. It's like, super good. Yeah, super thank you. Cool. We love it. Yeah. We think it's really good. Yeah. It's getting great reviews. I mean, it's big and kind of treacle, which is a big Scottish word, but it's kind of, I think, like molasses mixed with toffee. Mm-hmm. Is that huge note. And then Fugadal has lots of smoked bacon and that kind of flavour. This is like brisket. It's like overcooked brisket. Totally 
huge yeah. umami kind of flavours, lots of meat juice, and then it has like a nice, just sort of big salty finish. You know, it's almost like someone put some soy sauce in or something. It's just a big, big example are big so we it's love big it. badass man yeah it's, 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 it's very satisfying too like yeah. you're, you're using a lot of culinary terms when you describe it like it's food and it, it is a very it, satisfying it really mouthfeel like it's 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 chewy yeah it's chewy for sure it's, well and it's fucking delicious yeah thank, guys thanks again for bringing all these in today it was really a pleasure meeting you it's good to see you again david um likewise good to have Southern teague back in here thanks buddy and uh guys let's uh i guess there's nothing left to do now but go drink some more whiskey. Yeah, sounds so, good. Slime. All right. Slime. All right. Check out Ardbeg's new release, and I I can tell you, no, we can all tell you, we already have told you. Yeah. <laughs> it is really badass. Dark all Cove. Right. Yeah, the Dark Cove. Cool. You know what? It also fits on your knuckles if you wanted to get that as a tattoo. <laughs> so, that'd be pretty awesome. Uh, that'd be pretty awesome. Dark All right. Well, that's it for the Speakeasy this week. I'm Damon Bolte. My name is Southern Teague. And check out Heritage Radio Network for many, many more programs just like this one. Until then, Salancha. Salancha. So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll load. Knows that country music's gonna save your soul. The devil the rhythm and blues that sound. It's gonna get you some in the end. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.